Today, I sat down with Ran from Crypto Banter. He is, of course, the founder of Crypto Banter and of Banter Capital as well. But Ran has been in this industry for many years. He has seen some crazy shit in his time, including losing $100 million basically in just a couple of days. Wild stuff. Absolutely crazy story. This is a conversation that is jam-packed full of the kind of shit that you need to be hearing right now in this market cycle because we are early in the market and mistakes are going to be made. Listen to a conversation about someone who has been there, who has made those mistakes so you don't have to make those mistakes as well. This is a conversation about mindset, about getting rich, about how to deal with with being an investor in this market and maximizing your time here as an investor, finding the right narratives and dealing with some of the crazy that we see happening in these markets. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Rand, welcome to the show, man. I feel like this has been a long time coming. Like this has been a long time in the making. I know we've been trying to hook it up, but because of the time zones, you're in New Zealand, I'm in South Africa, the time zones are like crazy. What's the, what's the time for you now? Like, Midnight, 10 o'clock at night? What, what's the time? It's like 10 o'clock at night. You know, it's crazy because if you just start sailing west from where I am, you'll hit South Africa. It's the next landmass. You just have to cross the entire, like, you know, Indian Ocean to get there. <laughs> I just got to work. So just to give you an idea, we're 12 hours apart. We're early morning for him, late evening for me. We're going to make it happen, guys. We've got a great conversation. Super, just like, I'm, I'm super excited. We're going to dive into this. Look, one of the things I've been asking people recently, because... They're regular people out there and they're coming into crypto for the first time and they see people who have made it in crypto and like we make it big in crypto like the numbers that i know some people just like it's crazy like i feel like i've done pretty well in crypto i know people who are just like oh my gosh seriously so i want to talk a little bit about your wealth journey into the cryptocurrency market uh did you have money before you came into crypto like were you a millionaire before crypto so, and uh How'd you get will, into it? I will answer that. But I think the first point that you mentioned is the most important point that everyone that's listening needs to understand. I know for a lot of people that are in crypto, it's the first time that they're seeing a market. A lot of people are very young, et cetera. But let me tell you, I've been, I've been around the block. I was involved in the dot-com revolution in, 2000, in, 19, in the 1990s. I was involved in the mobile phone revolution, which happened just after that. I was involved in the social media revolution. I had a social media ma a marketing company. I can tell you that without any shadow of a doubt, I've never, ever, ever seen an industry that is so geared up to make so many millionaires so quickly. And I've never, ever, ever in my life seen so many millionaires made so quickly in any industry ever. Even my friends that are in AI and, you know, like AI is like, you know, AI, that's like the new, the new, the new sexy girl on, on, on the block. Even those guys have not been able to monetize any of their efforts. And when you look at crypto, like, we're, we're, we're monetizing every single day. We've got a scoreboard every single day, which, which no industry has ever had. And I think that once you've been in this industry where you can really get liquidity every single day from every, at every point of your project from the white paper onwards, you realized just how privileged and lucky we are to be in this industry at this time. And once you're here, I just don't understand how you go back to any other industry. Like, how do you go back to like trucking or property where you got to hold the property for 20 years and you get a yield of 5%? <laughs> I mean, like I get a yield of 5% when I wake up in the morning, you know, like one smart contract is 5%. Like, I just don't, you know what my biggest nightmare is like? My biggest nightmare is going back to normal, going back Yo, to normal. Oh gosh, industry. I know. I feel you, man. 
So yeah, let's go back to your to to the, the more your second question. That was, did I come into crypto with money? I was lucky. Between two thousand in two thousand and one, I was insolvent. I I started a dot com bubble, a dot com company at the end of a dot com bubble in nineteen ninety eight. In two thousand and or two thousand two thousand and one, we went bust. Uh, I put in everything that I had into the company. I mortgaged my house. I mortgaged my car because you you always think that it, like just one more month, just one more month, and my startup will make it. And, you know, like I pawned, I mean, I pawned my watch, I pawned my golf clubs to try and keep the company alive. Eventually, the company did go belly up uh, because we, we tried to launch in 2001 when the dot-com bubble crashed. And then out of desperation, I mean, I mean, I went into a depression for a long time, like six months, I was like, I was down and out. I lost my confidence. I lost all my money. I was living back with my parents. I mean, I had a girlfriend. It was like a beautiful model. And I took her from living in a house to living back in my parents' house. You know, like it's like in that one room with four brothers running around. Um, I mean, my parents even walked in on us a few times. Like that's, you know, like, oh, geez. Just, I, just, I mean, <laughs> it, it's just so bad. But uh, it, was eating, it was eating humble pie. Um, eventually, out of desperation, I started a marketing company, not because I knew anything about marketing, but it was the only way that I could make money quickly. I built that business into the biggest marketing company in Africa. It took me 15 years. So from 2001 to 2015 or 2016, I built a very big marketing company in Africa. And in 2015, 2016, we sold that business to a group called the Publicist Group. And we sold that business for about $150 million. Um, yeah. So that was, my, that was the first exit that I had, or the exit that I had before crypto. And... After I sold that business, I was supposed to be the CEO of the company for a couple of years going forward. And the problem is that I discovered crypto. And once you discover crypto and you discover exponential technology, nothing else makes sense, you know, let alone an, a, a marketing company in Africa. And so eventually I lost interest. The owners of the new company knew that I lost interest. And so they said, look, if you leave and, and you're willing to forfeit your last payment, which was what they call an earnout then we'll let you off your, your contract. And I was like, okay, I want out, you want me out. And I went full-time into crypto. And so that is, I did come in with money. I mean, obviously I didn't come in with $150 million because I had partners and whatever else, but sure, I, sure, sure. I, I am seasoned and I have had a couple of exits and I, I have built companies before. Yeah, we've had experience. Just that story of basically losing it all, it puts having something and then having nothing puts everything into perspective. You reach, you rethink all your life choices and rethink, how am I going to make it big moving forward? Now, I want to get into a juicy question here because I want everybody to know that you can be in this industry for years and you're still going to screw up bad and you're still going to have things that you get overexposed to. You're still going to have things that just go completely belly up on you and lose wild amounts of money. Now, when Luna crashed back in the day, you guys, um, your, your capital company, you guys lost like what, like a hundred million dollars or something like that. Like what I, I can't, what's it feel like when you wake up in the morning and you go, we lost a hundred million dollars. What the heck happened? How, what do you do from there? It's funny that you mentioned the two, those two stories at, at the same, in the same sentence, like the first time that I went insolvent was in 2000, 2001. And that was a very, very, very black period of my life. I was, I went from being what was potentially the youngest CEO of a stock exchange listed IT company in South Africa to being broke, uh, not being able to pay my creditors, not being able to pay my car, selling my golf club, selling my, my watch, you know, my Rolex watch, et cetera. 
I think the hardest thing is not making it. I think the hardest thing is having a taste of what making it feels like and then having to give it all back. That is like the, working hard is no problem, but getting to a point where you have something and then losing it, for me, that was the most painful periods of my life. The first time it was very, very, very painful. It sent me into a little bit of a dark depression, which I call, it wasn't real depression. I wasn't on any meds or anything, but uh, I, I call that a pity party. And that's the period of mourning your old, you know, and you gotta, you've got to mourn as part of the human process because that makes you fight back harder. And that's what I did. And that's how I started the marketing company. I got up and I fought again and I fought harder than ever before because I wasn't going to fail. And then, you know, I, I sold the business for $150 million and I built a whole lot of wealth and I went into Bitcoin and I built a very, very, very big Bitcoin portfolio. In fact, more money than I ever thought I would make. And one of the ways that, that we built that wealth was we, we invested in Luna and we invested in Luna very, very early. We invested in Luna in the ICO. I think we put about $150,000 in the ICO and we were buying it like crazy at, at 40 cents and 30 cents and 20 cents when it was trading there. And we eventually built a position in Luna where we had over $100 million in, in the Luna portfolio. And when I say $100 million, it was Luna, it was UST, it was all the ecosystem around Luna, it was, it was everything. And it was also more than 50% of our portfolio, so, which was a, a fundamental investment mistake. Mm -hmm. Now, when I had this money, we were making crazy money. We were making, like, you know, when you've got a $100 million position and Luna went up by 10%, you've made $10 million that day. And there were a lot of days where Luna was going up by 10%. It went up to $130 and $140. And... I was making more money in a day than I ever thought I'd make. And I remember having a conversation with my wife and my wife said to me, like, how are we going to spend all this money? You're making ridiculous money. How are you going to spend all this money? And I said to her, well, what do you want? She said to me, I said, do you want to buy a jet, a private jet? And then we said, look, we live in Africa. The problem is that we don't, we can't fly to Spain or to Italy. It's not like two hours away. It's like 14, 10, 11, 12 hours away. And so in order to buy a private jet that is of any use in Africa, you need to buy like Air Force One. Like you need a, you need a real jet. And mm. I wasn't in the market for a real jet. Then my wife said, well, why don't we buy a yacht? And the reason why I can never buy a yacht is because if I just get on a yacht and it just does this for two seconds, I throw up. Okay, like <laughs> I can't do shit like that. And then we went, like, we went through all the things and we actually realized that in life, we're lucky and privileged that we have everything that we want, except we don't have a chef. And so I said to my wife, listen, if you really want a chef, get a chef. And like, she thought about it for two minutes and she said, you know, one of the things that I actually really enjoy, I actually enjoy cooking. And if we take that away from me, then... <laughs> so we realized that our life wouldn't change, but which is a good lesson in life. Anyway, the one thing about having so much money is knowing that you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, with no consequences. And I'll give you like basic exa examples because it teaches you what money is. Money is freedom. Money is the ability to, to do whatever you want and being able to afford the mistake. So what does that mean? Let's just go through some basic examples. If you miss a flight, you can just buy a new ticket because you're rich. If you've got like $150 million and you miss a $2,000 flight from New Zealand to South Africa because you're late to get to the airport, you'll just buy a new ticket, right? You can book a hotel and if the hotel room's bad, doesn't matter, you'll just buy a new hotel room because you just have money and you don't really care about the money and you're making so much money that you don't really care. You also, you can do whatever you want. So I used to look at like um, uh Instagram posts from David Beckham and Leo Messi and football players who were very rich and, you know, on their yachts in Mallorca and Ibiza and Spain and say, well, like if I wanted to do that, I could do that. And that is really what money is. Money just gives you the freedom 
to be able to do what you want to do. When you lose money, and the way that I lost money was in the worst possible way in the world. I don't wish this on anybody. And we'll talk about the mistake that I made in a second because I'm very cognizant of my mistakes. Um, we ha- we, when I lost it, I don't know if you remember, but Luna went down very quickly. It went down in like from, from 100 to zero in a span of three or four days. And the problem yeah. is that all of my Luna was staked um, because, because I was getting aired up. So the problem is that even if you want to sell, you had a 28-day unlock period or 21-day mm-hmm. unlock period or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So that, literally, I was watching my wealth go from 100 million to zero. You, you know what the most painful thing in the world is? We had millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of UST. That was our dry powder. That was our safe cash. Yeah. And that went from $1 and we eventually we got out at nine cents. So we, we managed to take, we lost 91% on our stable coins. Okay. Now, what, so what happens to you as a, as a human then? I've never lost a loved one, touch wood, but I can imagine that the, the process of loss is exactly the same. I felt like I got hit in the face with a bat. I felt like the blood wasn't in my face. I felt like I was alive and talking, but dead inside. I was gone. And I'll never forget, I walked into this office and everybody knew that I had a lot of money on Luna and everybody saw what's going on and everybody was scared to talk to me. And I just couldn't look people in the eye because I just thought, what is the future of our business? I've just lost so much money because you don't have perspective. Of course. It's like when you get into a ring with Mike Tyson and he hits you across the face, you don't have perspective for a good couple of minutes or a couple of hours or maybe even a couple of days. And I remember speaking to a, a friend of mine, a confidant of mine, and I said, you know what? I don't have the energy to start again. I, I, like, I, it, I'm, I, I was so proud of having made it. And I said to him, I just, don't, I just don't have it in me to start again. I just don't have it in me. I don't have the energy. I don't have the strength. I don't have the ambition. And then again, I had a pity party. This one was much shorter. It was a couple of days. And in those couple of days, I couldn't even look at my kids in the eye because looking at my kids in the eye, all I thought was, I'm your dad, I had everything, and I fucked the whole thing up. And as a result of the fact that I fucked the whole thing up, I'm going to be able to spend a lot less time with you. We're going to have a lot less fun in life. And I'm going to be able to buy you a lot less things. Like, whereas at one point, all, all, all their studying in the future at top class Ivy League universities was covered. At that point, when the punch hit my face and we lost all the money, I felt like I could never provide for my kids and for my wife. And, you know, they walk past you and you're like, you look at them and you just feel, I've let you guys down so badly. And then I walked into the office and I thought to my, and I, and I, I looked at the staff and I felt I let you guys down so badly. And then you know, I, I had to stream to the community and I was the biggest proponent of Luna and the Luna ecosystem because I really genuinely thought mm-hmm. that Luna would change the world. And, you know, and I now had to do a stream to hundreds of thousands of people and let them know what happened. But the most incredible thing happened. The first thing is that by streaming, streaming was my psychology. It was my way of talking about things and talking about things helped me resolve things in my head and try... I I had to verbalize for an hour every single day. And I did. I verbalized for an hour every single day and I made a show. And I'm very honest in my shows. What I say is what I do. Uh, I can't lie. It is what it is. And so I told them the whole story. Everybody knew. We we walked through it. And then I, I'll never forget, there was one day after the pity party where we said, guys, the, 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 the thumbnail was like a tombstone. And we said, guys, today we're, putting Luna, we're burying Luna and we've got to move forward. And then I don't know what happened to me, 
I don't know if it was hormonal, chemical, but this killer instinct that I hadn't had since I was 18 years old came out. And I said to myself, I have to make the money back. And then you start going into planning mode. You start going into like, instead of, 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 of victim mode, which is where I was, I got knocked mm -hmm. out. I don't, have, I don't have the energy to do this again. I went into fighting mode. And the fight was, how the fuck do I make more money and prove to the world that I can make more money? Because now I've had a taste of it. And once you've had a taste of it, you once you've had a taste of that, you can't. So I don't know if you know this about lions, but you know, once a lion attacks a human, they have to put the lion down. And the reason why they have to put the lion down is because once a lion has had a taste of human, then you know, humans start to become a target. And that's mm -hmm. how kind of like how I saw it. Once I got a taste of what it felt like to be that financially free and that financially powerful, it became, I became obsessed and on a mission internally, my, my hormones, my testosterone went into overdrive and I was more focused than I've ever been in my life. And I got up and I said, I'm going to make this money back. And then I realized that the best way to make the money back was actually to build my business, not to build my investments. So mm -hmm. my investments used to distract me from the business. Because you, if you're making tens of millions every day on your investments and you're making, I don't know, a couple of million on your business every year, <laughs> That's right. what are you going to focus on? You're going to focus on, 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 on your investments. Mm -hmm. And so that made me focus on the business. And I think if you look at what we've built at Banter, I mean, we've built a multi-hundred million dollar media group. And we know this because we've had offers for multi-hundred million dollars for the media group. And luckily now my portfolio is also well on the way to recovery because what I said is I'm going to make this money back. And I started putting a strategy in place. And part of my strategy was I really believed in Solana and I really believed in making some, 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 some bets. And now I'm proud to say that my portfolio is more than 70% back to where it was at the, at at the pre-lunar crashes my business is worth hundreds of millions of dollars and i am a very 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 strong person because i've been knocked down and i've recovered and the best thing is that i think that through my journey i helped my community do exactly the same and we have a very big community now who are much smarter uh, much smarter much more battle tested and much more ready for this bull market so i guess the next question has to be, what did you do wrong? Like, what did you do wrong? And did you fucking learn from your mistake? <laughs> that, that, is, that is an interesting question, right? The, the, the screw-ups, it's a, such a fascinating story, Rand, because the screw-ups can absolutely just mess us up psychologically. And I, I really want you to share this story because it's such a great story. And realistically, the numbers are different. But a lot of people were in the same situation, right? I, I somehow magically like didn't lose everything on Luna. I, I got out and, you know, I got out of UST and only took a small loss, like, you know, tens of thousands versus like what it could have been. I was lucky, right? But man, that there's been other things that have gone made, to just absolutely terribly, right? I made, Go ahead. I made two or three fundamental mistakes, like I make, and I think that I've got to share these fundamental mistakes. Absolutely, with, that's with, what we want. That's what we want to hear, man. We, this is this is education yeah. for people. So please, so the first fundamental mistake that I made was I broke my own rule of no token other than Bitcoin and maybe ETH and Solana having a disproportionate share of your portfolio. How could it be that I allowed one token? And why do I say one token? Yes, we did invest in an ecosystem, but. Ultimately, the entire ecosystem was based on one premise that the, the stable coin would be pegged at one. So all the metaverses and all the DEXs, they would only work 
if the metaverse, if, if the UST was pegged at $1, so for one, I allowed my portfolio to be unbalanced, which was a mistake. Now you ask yourself, why did you allow that mistake? Because you got to like analyze, why did you do what you do? The answer is very simple. I was greedy. I thought that the most money that I could make would be on Luna. And the greed landed up destroying me because I took stupid risks. So what am I doing different in this bull market? No matter how much I love injective, and I love injective, and I invested in injective at 7 cents or 70 cents or whatever it was, no matter how much I love Kujira or Celestia, none of them will take up a disproportionate part of my portfolio. No matter how much I think that they're going to outperform, every month I rebalance the portfolio in such a way that it's not about how much I can make, but it's about how much I can lose. Mm -hmm. That's a fundamental change in thinking. Which brings me to the next mistake that I actually made. The next mistake that I actually made was that I didn't, what's the, what's the right word? I, I was so absorbed in, in, the, in the Luna is going to change the narrative of money worldwide that I would never, ever, ever listen to the critics. So mm -hmm. I stopped listening to critics. And instead of listening to critics, I used to fight them back on Twitter. Now, look, I do believe in health heated debate, but what I've learned this time around is no matter how small the Twitter account, I'm going to listen to all the criticisms about the tokens that I actually love. Why? Because there were a lot of people that, that told us in the last bull market that Luna was a Ponzi and it would eventually depeg, and we just didn't want to listen. And it's the difference between becoming emotionally attached to a token and, and being a cheerleader versus being a fundamental logical investor where you can see the wood for the trees. Mm -hmm. And the last thing of what I did wrong, and at the first point kind of alludes to it, is that I was the, the, the rabbit, not the tortoise. So if you want to make money in investing, and I've learned this very, 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 very well, you know who's going to make money in the short term but lose it all? Is the rabbit. It's the guy that invests in the meme coins and the guy that invests in the, in the hype and the bullshit projects. He's going to think he's winning the race until the moment of truth comes and the moment of truth will happen when the tortoise overtakes him. And what I've realized about investing is it's not about making a lot of money quickly. It's about keeping a lot of money for the longest period of time. Mm -hmm. And when you change your, like, I don't really care how much money I make because the result is how much money am I going to have at the end of the race? And the truth is that every time that I've tried to invest in the hottest meme coin and the hottest decks on the, the decks on the decks on the decks, I'll end up losing money. If I, if I, if I enter in with a strategy of trying to make less money, but trying to be consistent and protect my risk, that is when I actually end up making money. So those are the three mistakes that I made. The one is I didn't diversify my portfolio correctly. The second one is I became a cheerleader, not an investor. And the third one is I tried to be the rabbit, not the tortoise or the hare, not the, not the tortoise. And the tortoise is the one that's going to win the race 10 out of 10 times. Those are some fantastic lessons to share. I mean, this is where, this is a super value pack chat. I hope, I hope everyone's enjoying this, by the way, because I'm enjoying it. This is very interesting. You know, this is the kind of stuff we're preaching all the time on the channel. And it's, it, it's just, it just goes to show we're, we're all in the trenches, guys. Anybody who's got any money in this market, we're all in the trenches. We're all susceptible to the same bullshit, the same greed, the same 
tricking ourselves the same bar this is going to keep going up we we all are there sometimes i have one quick follow-up question on the rebalancing your portfolio and i i do want to get a few altcoin plays from you before we finish up the conversation sure. so maybe just a quick one on this so with your rebalancing of the portfolio do you have like hard numbers on these like if celestia becomes like more than 10 percent of my portfolio i'm selling that down for example yeah so we have exceptions for three tokens which are bitcoin eth and solana Mm -hmm. And every other, because those we think are proven, but otherwise, like no token can take up more than 5% of our portfolio. And if it does, then we try and rebalance it maximum once per quarter. So we kind of like, we don't do it every month, but once per quarter, we land up rebalancing. And we just think that that's, the, that's more prudent. And we also found that by doing that, we create more opportunity. Because if I say to you, look, Locke, you've got to sell some Celestia. So you're going to sell the Celestia, but you're going to put that money to work somewhere else. And, you know, in a bull market, in a bull market, nine times out of 10, whatever you put your money on will probably also do that. So we created some opportunities. Um, again, we'll never be in a position where we have to, and I have a lot of projects that, you know, I, when I sell, when I press that sell button, I feel like, oh my God, what am I doing? I can't believe I'm selling. But every time I do, I just think of the, that one week after Luna and then trust me, easiest thing to do is to press that sell button. And then you're like, actually, I should sell this. <laughs> yeah, just sell it. it's, it's crazy because... When the numbers get too big on the screen, and I'm always telling people this, and look, everyone, everyone's going to be on their own journey. Like for you listening, that big number on a screen might be like a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars, for example. And that might be, you know, for you, money is going to significantly change your life. But if you haven't taken any profits on the way up, and yet now this position's 30, 40, 50 percent of your total portfolio, and you're looking at it, okay, that this, it becomes hard to manage. The reality is, when you get these huge so, numbers, bigger numbers you've ever seen in your life, it does become hard to manage from a psychological perspective. If this is your first time in the market. Again, I'm only going to share things that really helped me because I'm I'm probably going I probably went through a lot of things that that happened. Um, the first thing is if you don't like taking profits because you feel like you might miss out, then take profits from one asset and move the profits to another asset. So like, take some profits on Solana and put them into Avalanche, and take some profits on Avalanche and put it into Beam, and take some and put it into and if you and if you're worried about crypto as an asset class. Take some profits from crypto and put it into the NASDAQ. Or take some profits from crypto and put it into the Indian Stock Exchange, which is where we're making a lot of investments. Mm -hmm. Because that way you're taking profits, but you're not exiting the business cycle. So yes, you're taking aggressive profits, but you're not sitting out of the casino completely. You're still in the casino. And, yeah. and, and that way it makes you feel better. The second thing is um, trading teams. So when I say trading teams, we try and put through our rules and our stop losses, for example, in such a way that it's very difficult for us from a men, from a from a admin point of view, but also from an embarrassment point of view to cancel the stop loss. So if I say to you, for example, luck, do me a favor, if Solana hits $80, sell because that's the stop loss. And then I leave that order with you and then you're responsible for executing that order. If I want to then be a chicken and then reduce my stop loss to 70 and I have to phone mm -hmm. you and say, hey, luck, Remember that stop loss that I gave you? Well, can you reduce it to 70? Then you're going to look at me and you're going to go, seriously, like you're doing this? Are you that? So it makes me feel a bit more like uncomfortable to move orders around. And that just gives you one degree of separation. So you have like one more degree of separation between you and making bad decisions. I dig it. Now, I want to get you out of here on uh, this. So we, look, we talked about some wild, wild alpha already, just for like trader mentality and all that sort of stuff. Um, two questions and you can kind of take them how you want to maybe even uh, mix them together. But 
What's one of your highest conviction altcoin plays for the cycle? And where do you think the market's going to top? So where do, where do I think the market's going to top? I think that it, it depends on your, when do you say, when you call top? Like, I think top can be in two years from now, three years from now, and where I think it's going to top. Uh, I'm not going to put a number, but I am going to tell you that I think that Bitcoin is going to be way, way, way above uh, $150,000. I think if we only get to $150,000, which is only a one and a half X off where we finished last cycle, mm -hmm. uh, that's not a, we haven't done anything. So like, I think 150,000, maybe 200,000, maybe even more. I think that if that happens, then I think, you know, Ethereum could easily be at 10,000. I think Solana could easily be at five or 600 if that happens. So I don't want to like, I don't like putting an actual number because I think that that's, you know, you got the chances of being right are so low, but oh, that's kind of, that's where it's I fun think, though. It's fun. Numbers are fun. Yeah, <laughs> that's where I think the tide's going to go. If you're asking me yeah. where the tide's going to go, that's where the tide's going to go. Now, where do I think that, um, uh, so in terms of specific altcoins, I mean, there's a lot of altcoins. I think so, so Solana is going to have a good run. I think there's a whole new bunch of layer ones, which are going to do very, very well. Mm. I think the idea is, let's not talk about altcoins. Let's talk about narratives. So layer ones, I think we're seeing the end of the layer one narrative now. I think we've pretty much solved scalability and I think we've pretty much solved um, uh, uh, um, speed. So, you know, talking about Solana and they're launching Fire Dancer and then you're going to have a million transactions per second with very, you know, with very, very, very low transaction costs. Pretty much we've solved the blockchain trilemma. You know, there's other companies, there's there's a, pro a protocol called Saga, by the way, I'm an investor in it. Um, and that one has got a very, very, very unique way of solving scalability on Cosmos by launching new chains every time a chain is launched. And they're talking about hundreds and thousands of, of chains. So I think like when we think about speed, Say has done an amazing job in solving speed and cost. They've done this by reducing the number of validators. Like I think you'll find the blockchain. I think it's time to move up the tech stack. And I think it's time to move to the application layer. Um, and what we're seeing is like, there's this whole narrative of Deepin, um, which mm -hmm. is physical infrastructure. Um, I think that that is going to be a massive narrative here. I think it could even be bigger than DeFi. Like if you think about Deepin, most people are going to use uh, a Google Maps, like HiveMapper, or most people are going to use yep. a, 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 you know, um, render or a, or a GPU type, type rendering network. Um, many more people that are going to use smart contract financial services products. So like, I think that that's a new narrative, which, which I think is going to do very, very well. I think, I think trading is always going to do well. The more casinos we create, the more people will play in the casino. Mm -hmm. So I think exchanges will always do well and different kinds of exchanges. Like example, you have Astroport. Why do I love Astroport as an exchange? Because it's the one exchange that gives you optionality on every single Cosmos chain. Because Cosmos is the same technology and Astroport is a DEX on any Cosmos chain, whether you're on Neutron or whether you're on Osmo, like whatever, whatever chain you're on, not Osmosis, but if you, whatever chain you're on, Astroport is the optionality into any chain in the Cosmos ecosystem. So like that's another DEX, which I'm very, very, very bullish on. But again, it's not about the individual coins. It's about the narratives. Just keep following the narratives that you think are going to make sense. We will always trade. We will always need layer one power. Deepin is an amazing, amazing narrative. There is going to be a gaming breakthrough in the, in this cycle where we get oh, yeah. the first mass adoption crypto game. And when we do get the, the the first mass adoption crypto game, well then, you know that's when that's when the whole gaming narrative happens. So it's early. The good part about being early is that mistakes will be forgiven. So if you buy Solana at hundred dollars and it goes down to eighty because you've made a mistake, 
don't worry, in six months, it'll be at 200 and you'll forget the mistake that you made. So in the early part of a bull market, it's the most forgiving part. Mm. It's almost like the, 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 it's the early part of a marathon. You know, if you start running a marathon and, you know, maybe you're a bit slow on the first mile and the second mile, it doesn't matter because towards the end, you, you've got, you've got a whole long way to actually catch up and to actually make your mark. And so that's exactly what it is. Like we're early in the bull market. You can still make a couple of mistakes. You can still train a little bit. You can still experiment a little bit. Don't make those mistakes later in the bull market because mistakes will be punished. Buying late uh, in the bull market, um, you can be really punished. And when you get punished, either your token will never, ever recover. Or if it does, um, you may have to sit and wait three years for the recovery, which is, you know, neither are a good strategy. Nope. Nope. Not at all. Rand, this has been an amazing conversation, man. Super full alpha. I'm really just great trader mindset and you've been there, you've done it. You've shared some amazing stories with us. So I thank you for your time and for coming and sharing your story with, of course, everybody here. And obviously again, guys, links will be down below where you can go check out crypto banter, follow Rand over on uh, X as well. Thank you so much. Rand. Thank you. Thank you for all the good work that you're doing. Thank you for inviting me. I'd love to have you on our channel. If you, or if your timing allows, or if you're willing to stay up late one night or early and wake up early one morning, but we will coordinate. And yeah, big love to your community. And uh, yeah, thanks very much, my friend.